companies are reporting their earnings, and although they haven't been bad, they haven't been great either. Is there a war on success? Big question there. Everybody wants to earn lots of money, but sometimes there's a fallout for the people who make it to the top. In fact, I'll show you how you're actually already in the market. First, a look at why. Sonny, there's only one word to describe what's happening, and that is panic. The S&P 500, having reached record highs last week, just couldn't keep the momentum going. We have a lot of money. And they still don't make enough money to survive. Promising that you can make lots of money. Are you suddenly all set for retirement? Minimum wage. Politics. Two and a half billion dollars. You work hard. Tax reform. Social security. Wall Street. Money. Labor. Tax plan. Job creation. If you ever been in a situation where you wanted to change, but you just didn't know what to do, Glad that you are here. Uh, got to begin our day with a little bit of uh, bittersweet news. Got an awesome couple on our executive team um, that's been given a great opportunity in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, I can't believe they'd go where the Steelers are at, to be honest with you. Um, but uh, here, here's bottom line here. It's John and Gina Wood. Um, and Jonathan um, has worked at our church um, almost since the very beginning at three different times. Uh, so who knows, maybe there'll be a fourth run after a few years and we'll get him back. But um, John and Gene have served in many capacities here. They've been youth pastors at one point. They've led worship for multiple campuses. Um, they're over all the worship at the campuses. The, the place that I have him right now is sort of a behind-the-scenes creative arts and over the weekend production. So that's all the video stuff that happens and uh, how all of our churches, our campuses integrate together. And he's done a fantastic job. Um, but here's the situation. For those that have been around any length of time, you've heard the guy teach in the pulpit. He's a great teacher is what he is. He has a real gift on his life. And folks, that is impossible to keep hidden. There's just no, there's no way. And when that, when that happens, not only, you know, like somebody will hear it and they'll tell somebody and then a pastor will hear about it. And so they got a call from a church in Pittsburgh that's roughly the same size as our church, um, but they're being given a lead position to, to lead the church. And uh, they, they came to us and, and just said, hey, we've, we've got this opportunity, what do you think? I hate to lose good people. I mean, any organization that does well, it's because it has good people in the organization. It's not ever one person, it's a team of people. I hate to lose good people. The other side of it is, it's such a good opportunity in our church. Um, right this second, I don't have a position that I can equal for that. And I think that they're ready for it. I think they're gifted for it. And so he just said, hey, what, what do you think? I, my initial was I wanted to talk him out of it. And I wanted to promise him the moon. But um, I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, man, if it were you, you would want your pastor to cheer you and encourage you and to open a door for you. You would not want someone to stand in the way and keep it from happening for you. So what could I do except to say I bless you and I love you and thank you for everything that you've done to make our church better? Because they're a part of our executive team, we're making the announcement uh, publicly. You know, this is live streamed to all of our campuses at one time. And so what we wanted to do was to pray over them and release them in the right way, the proper way, um, and just to let them know how much we've loved them. So would you do me a favor and just welcome John and Gina. Real quick to the platform. Um, I just thought it was proper for us uh, not only to thank them, but to pray for them. And so if you are like, so what, what should we pray? They have four young daughters. 
They're making a major move to a city with no connection other than they feel like the Holy Spirit's told them to go. So what would you want prayed over you? You'd, you'd want protection. You'd want your children to find friends quickly. You'd want a school system that worked for you. You'd want a church that receives you. Do, do you know what I'm saying? We want them to be elevated quickly. Here's what I prayed for them um, all weekend long, is that, that that church would realize the gift that's, that's being given to them. It's a true ministry gift that's coming their way. And so um, as proud as we are, uh, we're equally, it's a bittersweet thing because um, we're losing two of the finest people and one of the greatest families that our church has had for many, many years. But, man, I cheer you on and I love you and we're for you. So I want you to do this. Uh, the right hand is the hand of blessing. And when people uh, in the Old Testament would pray for each other to bless them, they would just stretch the right hand out. Would you be willing to do that with me right now? And just to pray over this couple. So, Father... I uh, love this couple, and this couple personally means um, means means more to me than I could ever verbalize in a prayer. Mm. My heart is experiencing two <laughs> opposite emotions right now. One is I feel such pleasure and pride at one of our own going out and stepping into such a great leadership position. And then the other, the other emotion is a broken heart. And I'm not sorry about that. I'm really grateful. Just like that song that we sang, it's well with my soul. I know this is God, so it's well with my soul. I know he has both of our tomorrows I know he has both of our futures. I know he's looking out for you and he's looking out for us. And so, because of that, boy, we release you with, um, with joy and we release you with our applause and our cheering. Um, we release you fully with no regrets. Man, I just ask that that church in Pittsburgh would realize right off the bat, wow, what a gift God's given us. I pray that those people would love you like you're loved here. I pray that you would be successful really quickly so that I can take the credit for all of it. <laughs> I just pray that the Lord would guard over your family and keep you um, and that you just find, um, you find the Holy Spirit waiting for you as you step into this new season of your life. Thank you so much for what you've done to make JFC a better church. I pray that when you leave here, you'll feel like we're better because of JFC too. And I just thank the Lord for what he's done, and I pray it in his name. Amen. 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 Yeah. Love you, Gene. Love you, Um, if you don't know, it's part of the, um, John's my nephew, and uh, John's father was killed tragically in an auto accident when he was 11, and I was the same age when my dad was killed in an auto accident. And John's dad and I were really good friends, and, um, and I felt like my role in, uh, in those kids' life, he's got a brother and a sister, was to be a father figure. And I adopted him as one of my own. He's basically lived in my house 
And uh, I helped to raise him, Chris and I did. And my heart, you know, if you feel like, ah, my heart's a little, trust me, mine is being, my father's heart's being torn right now. But then the other side of that is I'm like so dang proud of them right now and so happy for them. And what a great opportunity they have in Pittsburgh. And um, if it just wasn't Pittsburgh, that's the only thing that I would, (laughs) that I would say. He's wearing a Bronco sweatshirt. I don't know if you noticed. And I told him, you can't take it out of the state. They'll kill you in Pittsburgh if you wear that shirt. <laughs> yeah, so um, it's, it's a good deal. And, um, you know, I know some people are like, uh, why, why take the time to do that? When they're on a level where everybody knows them, I think it's just important that you know what's going on, man. And uh, you know how to pray. And you just know what's going on behind the scenes. And um, So get a, get a chance. Tell them thank you and love on them and hug them. And um, yeah, it's just good. Uh, I think what we need to do is probably refocus for the business at hand, which is a message. And so I just need to pray right now. Will you pray with me? And let's just get our minds uh, where it needs to go. So Lord, help us right now just to hear uh, the voice of the Holy Spirit. And um, Lord, I just, I just want to thank you for how good you are to us. I want to thank you, Father God. I meant what I said. Um, Lord, I know that you're with John and Gina. I know that you're with us. And I know that you have something for us right now. I know, Father God, that, um, Lord, when we open our heart to you, you just have so much, so many things that you want to speak to us and say to us and teach us and show us. Uh, Jesus, here, here was his words to us. Uh, I came to bring life and not just any life, but the life that's worth having or the abundant life. And I want to pray today, God, as we teach that people would experience abundant life, that when they go home, it wouldn't just be that I was pumped up at church, but they would be able to go home and experience abundant life. They'd live it and experience it and feel it and know it and be able to pass it on to other people. And so, Lord, I just ask right now, uh, focus us on your word and um, help us to accomplish your purposes and plans. And if you believe that, say amen. Amen. Question. Of these three events, getting a driver's license, getting married, getting a paycheck, getting a driver's license, getting married, getting a paycheck, which one of those three do you have to study the most for? (laughs) Tell me. Driver's license. uh, It's a busy week. It's the season. Three weddings this week. The last one's tonight. So I've talked to a lot of different people. One was a 15-year-old kid that I had a few minutes with. And I always just ask every 15-year-old, are you excited to get your license? And this kid told me no. I'm like, what's wrong with you, man? That's like, it was the great event of my life at that age. And he said, I have to study so much and I have to learn so much to get my license. I'm not sure if it's worth it. I'm like, what are you talking about? What do you have to do? He said, I've had to take a driver's ed class. I've had to study books. I had to pass a test. And then once I got my permit, I have to have a certain number of hours driving before I can get my license. He said, it's just so hard. I'm not sure if it's worth it. So get your license and come tell me if it was worth it or not. I mean, the kids put in an unbelievable amount of hours. What's strange about that is that sometimes our culture um, majors on minors and misses it on the significance. So of the three, getting a driver's license, getting married, and getting a paycheck, long term, which two affect you the most spiritually? Finances and marriage. And yet we make people learn more to get a driver's license, which is just so, in the scheme of things, not that major. And basically, when it comes to marriage and finances, we're just like, hey, hope you do well. 
So even here, we do a premarital class, but it's really only four classes. Each one's an hour, so it's four hours compared to somebody who's spending probably 150 to get a driver's license. And you tell me which one affects you more over the long term. Uh, last week, by the way, if you didn't hear the message, let me put it into context. It was the greatest message ever taught in Christendom. Some visitors right now are like, is that guy? No, I'm totally kidding. But it was a good message, and I would encourage you to listen to it. But here's, when you get money right, there's nothing like it. But when you get money wrong, nothing like it. Same thing for marriage. When marriage is right, there's nothing like it. It's awesome. But man, when marriage is wrong, there's nothing like it. It can be bad. And it affects people spiritually. So it's one thing if it just affects you physically, but it affects people spiritually. Money is the number one reason people get divorced. And that just sounds so clean. And so, it's such a simple sentence, but if you knew the spiritual fallout that happens when people mess up marriage or mess up money. This is my 31st year of doing this, and I can tell you primarily when we talk to people, those are two root issues that we're basically always talking about, what's going on in my marriage and what's going on in my finances. And it leads into other things, so maybe they come in like I'm depressed, but if you can get down to root issues, a lot of times it goes back to those two things. They're such important things, and we learn so little about them before we do them. So what I'm trying to teach in a three-week series, we're in the second week. Next weekend is Father's Day. The message isn't really about finances as much as it's about provision. God is our provider. He set fathers in our life in a provision way. And if dads get that, it goes really awesome. And if dads don't get that, it can really mess people up. So really, I've got two weeks to talk about finances. And let me just state it one more time. It's not a build-up to a building campaign. I'm not, in three weeks, going to start raising money for something or ask you to do something. There's no ulterior motive. There's no manipulation here. I'm not wanting anything from you. I'm not asking you to do anything. It's the fifth time in 19 years from the pulpit that I've taught on finances. Intentionally, because we downplay money. But here's my thought. If it's in the Bible, and if it's so important spiritually, then I'm making a mistake not to teach about finances. So my point here is I'm not teaching to get you to do something. I'm teaching because, man, I'm your pastor, and I want you to live abundant life. The more abundant your life, the less counseling I have to do. You know, nobody ever makes an appointment to come in and tell me, Pastor, I just want to tell you how awesome my life is right now. People come in because it's not awesome. Man, I want you to have abundant life. You got a pen or a pencil? Yes, sir. Or if you want to do it online in the U version of the notes, or if your memory is flawless and you can remember everything that's said. <laughs> Let me give you five financial agreements. And here's what I mean by agreement. You don't need to agree with me. I'm not asking you to agree with me. But here's what the Bible says. The Lord commands his blessing in unity. Wherever there is agreement, God's blessing flows. So when I say five financial agreements, here's what I'm saying. At least agree with God on these principles. People pray all the time, God, bless me, bless me, bless me. Listen to this. People pray all the time, God, bless me, bless me, bless me. Let me give you an easier way. Do what God's doing and you'll be blessed. Obedience, the fruit of obedience is always blessing. So these are five financial agreements that the Bible talks about that you should come into agreement with. And if you find yourself today like, okay, I agree, but I don't know how to do it. 
perfect starting place. God, I don't know how to do it. Help me. God's not trying to make you better. He's trying to be the God of your life. Five financial agreements. Here's the first one. Get rich slow. Get rich slow. Proverbs 13. Proverbs is the book of wisdom because it takes wisdom to deal with money. Proverbs talks a lot about how to deal with money. And this is what it says in Proverbs chapter 13. Dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Yes or no? Here's what the Bible's teaching. Get rich slow. Yes or no? Now that first sentence right there, dishonest money dwindles away. Most of us read that, and here's what they, we think when we read that, that a person who gets their money dishonestly, like in an illegal way, it dwindles away. And that's not what that means. That's part of what that means. But here's what it really means. That word dishonest there means people who get money without the discipline to handle money, it dwindles away from them. So let me give you some examples in our society. Last night was uh, Powerball. 433 million. Lump sum, 230 million. And if you didn't buy your ticket by 530, you didn't have a chance. I said that and a guy got up off the front row and left real quick. I knew exactly what he was going to do. His financial freedom ticket was waiting for him. <laughs> I made this statement last night. This is, this is listen to this. 50% of people who win the lottery are broke after two years. They claim bankruptcy. And a guy comes up to me afterwards and he said, you're wrong. And I thought he was challenging me. And he said, it's not 50%, it's 70%. Look it up. So I went home to prove him wrong. And he was right. 70% of the people who win the lottery are broke, claim bankruptcy within two years of winning it because of that principle right there. Here's what we think. If I had more, it'll be the fix. No, you have a principle in your life. Whether you make 40, 400, 40 million, or 4 billion, if the principle in your life is easy come, easy go, it doesn't matter how You'll have nicer stuff and a nicer car and a better house, but your bank account will be the same when it's all said and done. It's a principle. So the Bible teaches not a get-rich-quick scheme, but gather it little by little by little. How about this one? Uh, this is almost proverbial in our society. Young athletes who come from meager backgrounds who get handed massive paychecks. For those of you who watch 30 for 30, anybody in here who likes that? Come on, man. I know people are like, our pastor has a TV. Yes, I do. I have cable. I, yes. There's a 30 for 30 called Broke. And here's what it's about. The majority of athletes two years after the NBA, the NFL, or Major League Baseball are in bankruptcy. Because while they have the money, they live a lavish lifestyle. Entourages, jets, clothes. Dude, they got the bling going on. But all they do is, it just, here's what money does. It makes you more of what you already are. So if you're undisciplined with money now, if you get a lot of it, you'll be more undisciplined. People tend to think if I get it, it'll change me. It just reveals what's up. If you're generous now, you'll be more generous if you have money. If you're an investor now, you'll be more of an investor if you get money. But if you're frivolous now, you'll be more flip. It's just a principle that's there. And so God speaks to the principle. Here's the way to do it. Learn to do it a little at a time over time and learn the discipline of handling money. There's two ways we learn anything in life. Our own mistakes or from a mentor. 
What is a mentor teaching us? Their mistakes. So do you want to learn from your mistakes or somebody else's mistakes? You tell me the easiest way to learn. Let me tell you a mistake that we made in our lives. We tried to develop the discipline of saving and did okay with it. We could save up an amount of money, but it would seem like whenever we hit a target goal, we would always find something to buy with that amount of money. A motorcycle. An addition. A vacation. A tuition. It wasn't always bad things or frivolous things. What we had to learn to do <laughs> for us Mentor or your own self. What we had to learn to do for us was to make it automatic and hard to get our hands on. If I was left to write the check myself to a financial advisor, I always found a reason not to do it or to do as much as I should have. And if I could get my hands on it, I treated it like it was a checking account. But if I never see it, it leaves my paycheck and goes someplace else. So I never have to touch it, see it, think about it, and I can't get my hands on it, then I save up a little bit over a long period of time so that someday, how many of you know there's a someday? Yeah. Maybe you're sitting there in your 20s right now and you're like, who cares? Okay. So you're in your 30s, the yellow light starts to flash. In your 40s, it turns red. In your 50s, there should be sirens going off if you live that way. And in your 60s, what are you thinking? The government's going to come in at the last moment? What are you thinking? I'm not talking down to you and I'm not being ugly to you. My name is John and I'm your pastor and it does me no good to grade on you. I love you, man, and I'm standing up here because I want you to live abundant life. And what we think is abundant life is some miracle from heaven. Abundant life is when you step into the obedience that God has for you. You'll find his protection in obedience. This is going to date me. I know it makes me sound like ancient. Growing up, my favorite rerun was the Honeymooners. Anybody else like the Honeymooners? <laughs> Jackie Gleason is hilarious, was hilarious. His deal on that show that made it so funny is that he always had some get-rich-quick scheme going on, and it always failed miserably. Bus driver from New York, living in a tenement. Never able to rise above it because of all of his schemes. God, it was so funny on a television show and so horrible in real life. Get rich slow. I'll give you the second one. By the way, if you're like, man, those are pretty simple things, you got a simple preacher. Here's what I've learned in life. Do the simple things. The more complicated it is, the harder it is to do. Do the simple things, man. Get a budget. Just get a budget, man. Now, I know some people are like, that's a nasty word. Like, it, you choke on it. Maybe somebody in your life used it to manipulate or control you, so I get it. So I tried to come up with like the right sentence to explain what a budget really is. Here's the sentence that I wrote. A budget essentially is you telling your money what we're doing instead of your money telling you what we're doing. Someone's going to tell the other one. If you don't learn to control it, if you don't learn to be the boss of it, if you don't learn to be on top of it, trust me, it'll get out of control. And when it gets out of control, look at me real quickly. That's when we pray the desperation prayers. God, I need a windfall. I need a windfall. By the way, I don't think there's anything wrong with a windfall. Let me say this to you. Lottery. Let me go back there for just a second. We do have a couple in our church. I won't tell you which campus. They won the lottery. 
and they get paid out once a year in January, and when they get paid out, the first check they write is their tithe off of what they won at the lottery. So maybe you're sitting here like, is that right or is it wrong? I'm not going to debate that with you. Here's what I'm going to say. If you win the lottery, tithe. That's what I want you to remember. <laughs> I'm not saying that if you come into quick money that it's bad. I'm saying without the discipline to handle it, it can harm you. Get a budget. Dan DeMay. Um, so we've got five kids. Three are married. I did all of their weddings and did all of their premarital except for one class, the finance class. Dan DeMay and Kim handle money like few people I've ever met in my life, man. They are disciplined and on top of it. And Dan has this system. It's super, uh, it's super simple. It's almost like um, archaic. Here's what Dan does. When he gets paid, half of it goes into the bank, and then the other half he cashes out, and he has envelopes with some, going out to eat, car payment, um, haircuts, clothes, whatever. And he puts whatever amount of money they've budgeted for that in there, and that's how they know how much they have. And when the envelope's out, they don't go any further. They don't use a credit card. They tell each other, we can't go out to eat for a week. Why are only four people? Some are like, what is this new philosophy, Pastor? <laughs> Haven't you heard of American Express? It eliminates all of those issues right there. <laughs> I wanted my children to get that from them because I realized, especially if you're handling money when you're younger, the time to learn to do it is when you're younger. Yes. The older you get, the harder it is to learn how to do it. Uh, Pastor Terry, two, two weeks ago at our teaching team, I said, Terry... Uh, Terry's 10 years older than I am. He's mid-60s. I said, Terry, what is the best financial advice you were ever given? And he said, my dad said to me, Terry, you're lousy with money. Let your wife handle the checkbook. <laughs> <laughs> and Terry couldn't get that through his head for the first couple years, so he and Brenda fought because he's terrible at it. She's really good at it. And finally he learned she's gifted. Stay out of the way. And she's done just awesome with it. Get a budget. Find the way. It's you telling your money what we're doing instead of your money telling you, and one of them will tell the other. I'll give you the third one. Get right priorities. Right priorities. Which we always think, I have the right priority, but it's not until thoughts, philosophies, and actions are held up against Scripture that we learn, okay, and my priorities, God's priorities. Proverbs chapter 27, 24, has this little Scripture again, on money, um, it just says, riches don't last forever. Say that with me. Riches don't last forever. And the crown might not be passed on to the next generation. So what we tend to think, the day and the moment that we live in, we think this is going to go on forever. And things, man, it, we all live, we're one breath away from things changing drastically. We're one crisis away we're one moment in time, and we live with a false sense like it's all it's good forever. And what the Bible is teaching is that riches don't last forever, and you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. So you need to set the right priorities right now. You need to put a hedge up. You need to make sure you get things done the right way right now while you can. When I was a kid, uh, in junior high, we lived in San Diego for a couple of years. Ray Kroc the founder of McDonald's, lived there during that time. Guy who was revered in our community. I mean, the founder of McDonald's. 
Now there's a movie out called The Founder. Maybe some of you have seen it. Talks about who Ray Kroc was really. Stole McDonald's. Brilliant man, but dishonest. Loved money more than he loved anything else. Divorced a wife and made sure she didn't get a thing. Married another one who he thought had his interest. And as soon as he died, she gave away all of his billions of dollars. I love it. Love it. Because he thought, hey, this is forever. And you don't pass it on like you think you're going to. He didn't have the right priorities. Uh, one of the weddings in the past few days, at my table was a young couple who worked for a parachurch ministry. And if you're like parachurch, those are ministries that work alongside of churches who specialize in certain things. So, for instance, um, Chris and I support a parachurch ministry in Colorado Springs that takes care of orphans. I have a heart for orphans. Almost everything I can do to help orphans in any part of the world that need my help, I try to help. But this is one where it just, we've had them come here. Compassion. We had them put their trucks out here. Had you walk through the truck. Here's what we told you, man. Anything God tells you to do, let's support orphans. They said it was the single largest church response they've ever had. That's pretty awesome. We personally are involved with that. We personally give to that. It's a parachurch ministry that specializes in orphans, and I'm all for it. There are parachurch ministries that specialize in rescuing kids and women from sexual slavery. That's good. There are parachurch ministries that specialize in helping people who don't have drinking water get drinking. The basic necessities of life. People that can't feed themselves. How to feed themselves. Love that, man. And today, here's the society that we live in. Man, we are in such a competition for people's time that it automatically means there's a competition for dollars. And people today aren't sure, where's my priority at? Is it this that I'm really into or my church? And here's what you don't know about your church. These ministries that specialize, God, I bless them and I love them. But let me tell you something about your church you may not recognize. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 12 months a year, for 20 years, your church rescues women and kids who are caught in sexual slavery. Your church all over the world feeds people, cares for the orphan, looks after the widow. Your church, in the smallest thing it can do, giving away a gift, finds a way then to bring drinking water to parts of the world that have none. So while we find a parachurch ministry and we're like, oh, I'm so into it. You know what we don't have? A budget of $200,000 to come up with a slogan that says how good we are. We just do it all and keep our mouths shut. I hope you realize what's going on. And so when it comes to like the right part, where should it go? It goes to your church first. Is that biblical? Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. What's the storehouse? It's the place you get fed from. Yes. Just look at me real quick. It's the place you get fed. That's a storehouse. Now, if you don't get fed here, dude, I hate the fact that you would be ambivalent sitting in your church. I want you to be at a church where you feel like I can give my heart, my soul, my mind, my money, everything towards my church. I'm excited about it. Don't sit at a church where you're ambivalent. If you don't know this is your storehouse, something's wrong. So here's what God says. Bring the tithe into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my house, my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. Look at this deal. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Would you like to have one time in your life where you had to tell God to stop? 
No, seriously, that's what that's saying. One time. Because I don't think I've ever prayed that. I'm like, more. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insect and disease. In other words, God will watch over. When you get involved in what God's doing, God's already involved in what you're doing. And most of us are like, God, come over here and get involved in what I'm doing. And God's God. He's like, come do what I'm doing. Parachurch ministries are awesome, wonderful. We support them and support the missionaries behind them. But when it comes to priorities, few people today understand the list of priorities and where it fits. One, two, three, four. Let me go deeper because you're cheering me right now. Not everyone's going to accept this and not everyone's going to be able to believe this, but for those who have ears to hear, Jesus goes steps further when you get how priorities work in the kingdom. So this is Jesus teaching. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources. Does that mean money? Yes. It doesn't just mean money. It means whatever you have, but it means money. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then, when your earthly possessions are gone, those people that you used it to help will welcome you into an eternal home. Here's what he's teaching. What we do on this earth echoes in heaven. Use what you have now to make a difference then. It matters. People, I, some of you are going to hear what I had to say, and some of you is going to go like this. But for those who have ears to hear, here, here's what he says. Look at this. Store treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. You ever heard this cliche, you can't take it with you? Yes. So here's what the Bible teaches. You can send it ahead. <laughs> Let me try over here with you guys. Did I say it too fast? You cannot take it with you. When you die, there is nothing attached to the coffin. When you die, it's just your spirit. But Jesus is teaching if you invest it into the kingdom, God stores it as a treasure and a reward for you when you get there. Look, right now you may think, is that a self-serving message for you? For you. Not for me, for you. I'm not asking you to do anything. I have, I have no, there's no brochure to pass out at the end. There's, uh, four. This is a little like a 180 from where we've been going. Let me just do this real quick. Uh, you get to enjoy it. You get to enjoy it. Ecclesiastes 7, Solomon, the wisest king who ever lived, who was really good with money, says this. And if you don't, uh, if, if you don't, if you don't see the context, you'll miss it. Look, enjoy prosperity while you can. Enjoy prosperity while you can. So look at me real quick. This is not for the majority of people in this room, but it is for some of you. Five kids, two of my five, somehow I passed this on to them, transmitted, I don't know, I transmitted fear with finances into two of my kids where they are afraid to spend any money. It, they feel guilty if they go on a vacation. They feel guilty if they buy a luxury. They feel guilty I don't know how that happened because that was never my, probably my over-the-top, be diligent, manage it, be careful with it, probably transmitted something in them of fear. God wants you balanced, not out. So it's out of balance to let it all go through your hands, and it's out of balance not to let any of it go through your hands. And some of you need to hear this message because God wants you to know it's okay to enjoy it. Pharisees worry about what's in the fridge, what's in the driveway, and what's on the wrist. Pharisees. 
God wants to know what's in the heart. That was so stinking good. Some of you who are on social media should get that out there right now. My pastor is smart. Hashtag right there. Bill Hybels. If I say that name, does some of you know that name? Bill Hybels. Pastor of one of the largest churches in America, in Chicago. A guy that I, and I've learned a lot from Bill Hybels. Bill Hybels' father taught him early on how to handle money. And at an early age, that guy had a net worth that was incredible. He didn't have a large salary, but he had a high net worth because he knew how to handle money and how to deal with money. But here's what happened to him. He couldn't spend a dime of it without feeling guilty. And the Lord had to deliver him of that thing. Money became something he trusted in rather than God. God doesn't want you out of balance in either of those things. Last one, and I'm done. Get generous. Get generous. I have people all the time tell me, what's the amount that makes you generous? Aren't you glad God doesn't give us an amount that makes us generous? Generous is never an amount. Generous is a spirit. My generous is not your generous, but your generous is not your generous. Generous is what's in the heart of a person. So early on, one of the founding truths that we wanted in our church, we downplayed money, but we really wanted to be a generous church. Uh, there was a pastor, I think in the second year that we existed, that I heard his church couldn't pay him, and so we decided to pay his salary. And we didn't stand up here and ask for it, we just took it out of our budget. Said, we'll treat him like a missionary, we'll pay his salary. And we did that for a while, and eventually, here's what they decided, our church can't go forward. And I got a phone call from them after several years, and here's what they said, we're going to close the door of our church, but we own this piece of property at Lincoln and Lone Tree Parkway. And we don't want it to fall into the hands of a developer. Would you be interested in buying that piece of property from us? Here's what I said, no, we can't afford it. And he said, well, I didn't tell you how much it is. And I said, I guess that is important, how much is it? He said, Pastor... For $250,000, we can close our church in the right way. We'll owe nobody. We can pay everybody. $250,000. And we just had it appraised for $1.2 million. We'll sell it to you for two fifty. dollars We didn't do what we did in the front to get a piece of property in the back. But when you get involved with what God's doing, you never know how God works on your behalf later on. And that's what people can't calculate. See, generosity is not a... It's a spirit that we operate in. Why would we operate in that spirit? Because our Father stands like this with his hands open towards us all the time. His love is inexhaustible. His mercy is new every morning. His grace is abundant for every need that we have in our life. Our Father is a generous Father, and we're most like our Father when we do what our Father does. God, we want to be generous because he's generous. I don't have anything I'm asking you for. This is between you and God. The scripture for that, by the way, I'll just read it to you. 2 Corinthians, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. That's why it's not an amount, it's a spirit. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. When you can give it and it's fun, that's a spirit. So let me say this, and I don't mean it mean. I'm not talking down. I'm just talking. If you don't like to give, don't do it. It's not doing you any good. Here's what you should pray. God, work in my heart so that I like to do it. 
Because if you get that, dude, the kingdom of God is fun. If it's not fun serving God, which God are you serving? I didn't say it's always easy. I didn't say there's not discipline. I didn't say there's not a sacrifice. But overall, I love serving God. I love it. That's the way we should feel about it. We love to do it. And if we don't, God doesn't want you to feel condemned. He doesn't want you to walk out of here feeling like you're bad or you got problems. Here's what God wants you to do. We're all responsible for this. God, if that's in the Bible and I'm not doing it, change my heart. Amen. You ever learn this? You can't change your own heart. But you can say to God, change my heart. You can't go to God, here's my heart. Work this in. This, it's an act of grace. Give me grace. I need help. That's like the best place to always be at. And for those of you who get this and are doing this, hear it from me. Thank you. Because we move forward on that spirit. You're such a blessing. And I'm so appreciative. Let's pray. Father, help us right now. Uh, for those of us who get it, God, I just want to commend right now. And I want to ask God for increase. And I want to ask God for your blessing. For those who struggle with this, then I want to ask for your action and your operation and your opportunity. God, I want you to work in all of our hearts. Uh, from unity, you command blessing. God, bring unity and agreement together that we are generous. That we're disciplined. That we're walking in obedience. Bring unity. That's where you command your blessing. Father, for those who hear this morning, uh, this message this morning, and feel so upside down. Lord, I just pray your help. You know, I didn't say this in any of the other services, but that thing about being 60 and not being prepared, maybe I say that and in you, some kind of fear thing goes off like yikes. Do you know, God doesn't want to leave you that way. I didn't say that to scare you. God always is the God of a second chance. He looks for us to bow the knee to him and to say, God, be the God of my life. Be Lord. So even if you're at an advanced place and maybe you've made mistakes, God is merciful. Bow your knee. Ask him to help. Ask him to change. The thing we never are able to calculate is that when we're obedient, all the things that God can do for us, that if you sat right now and you tried to figure it out, like you, your mind just isn't creative enough. Your imagination's not deep enough. Only God can do it. And so right now, if you find yourself at that place of just like, God, I don't know what to do, that's what you say. God, I don't know what to do. Help me. Help me. God is merciful. I don't know why I feel stuck on that right now. Again, I didn't say it in any of the other services over this weekend, but I just feel right now someone needs to hear that. God is merciful. God is merciful. God is merciful. Thank you for your mercy, Father. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to me.